0: oh
1: thank you for tuning in to the 206 episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting app or platform you are listening to me via, being recorded from Buffalo, New York. Going to have a great show for all you guys today as what has been the usual during the NFL season, we are going to have Kenny Simon, scouting expert for 247 Sports. We are going to break down week four of NFL action. There's going to be a lot to discuss, dissect. So we're going to get all that information out to you. We're going to talk about the Browns game, Browns-Cowboys, because I know Kenny was specifically watching that game, going to dive into the Sunday night game as well. Maybe preview of the games going on on Monday night as well, and as we've been doing for the season, right? Kenny will be here for every Monday podcast where we're diving into everything football. So just always everybody be on the lookout for that. Now, here's where I want to start. A lot of times, like we rarely get to this point in life where everything clicks. Like everybody wants to get to that point, but it's rare that we get there, right? Like you're a parent, right? You know, you got the great job, you're the CEO, you got the office, you got the nice big house, you got, you got the wife, you got the kids, your parents are older, they're taken care of, everything seems to be in place and you're just living your best life, your best self. It feels like nothing can go wrong. It feels like you can do anything. In basketball terms, it's like you're throwing it, you're throwing the ball into the ocean, right? You can't miss. And... We don't get that all the time in sports. We see quarterbacks all the time. Look at Sam Darnold. Nothing's ever gone perfectly for Sam Darnold since he's been a Jet. It's just been a struggle. Daniel Jones, it's been a struggle. Look at Josh Rosen. A struggle. But when you can get to that point, and very few quarterbacks, athletes, ever get to that point where everything seems to be in place. And they can just maximize their utmost potential. Very few. And we're seeing Josh Allen right now, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, doing that. Josh Allen is destroying the league right now. 10 touchdowns, only one interception, throw for over 1,000 yards. Josh Allen, right now, through four games, and we can say this through four games, it's a quarter of the season right four games first quarter then the second second quarter third quarter fourth quarter right he's the mvp of the league he's the mvp he would win mvp i'm gonna tell you why who's won mvp the last couple years recent years patrick mahomes lamar jackson what do patrick mahomes and lamar jackson have in common with josh allen young players patrick mahomes was in his second year his first year starting lamar jackson was in his second year Josh Allen is in his third year. They're all quarterbacks. They have that breakout year as well. Patrick Mahomes broke out. He was a backup his first year. His second year, he comes in. It's like, oh my God, look at this. What the hell? Patrick Mahomes, he's a star. Pat, uh, Lamar Jackson, his second year. You see him, and then you see him running away from uh, quarters of linebackers or 40-yard touchdowns, and you're like, oh my God, Lamar Jackson's revolutionizing the NFL. He's Michael Vick 2.0. Then you look at Josh Allen. Ten touchdowns through, through, through four games. Ten touchdowns, one interception. Has really been a top five player in the league, I would say. Some people you know, might argue differently, but he's been a top five player in the league. Makes spectacular plays all the time. Right now, and I want to just show you his stats really quickly. Second in the NFL in passing yards, over 1,000. Second in touchdown passes, ten touchdowns. Third in QBR, 84.5. And second in quarterback rating, 124.8. Those are MVP numbers, folks. Like I said, we rarely get to that point in life where everything clicks. It's like nothing can go wrong. Uh, When you look at LeBron James when he was in Miami after the Dallas series in 2011, he reinvented himself. He was MVP of the league. Best player in the league by far that year. Nobody could stop him seen Brady right in the fourth quarter everything's going right Brady's in his zone that's where he is Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter kind of like Floyd Mayweather when he's boxing like nothing can go wrong Josh Allen he has the coaches Sean McDermott he has the OC he has the offensive talent around him Stefan Diggs Cole Beasley John Brown Everything is all falling into place. And then also here is also what helps with the story of MVP. What helps with MVP? It's the story. The Bills have not been good for a long time. For the past two decades, the Bills have not been good. They've been a moribund franchise. They've been a laughing stock. It's been the Bills and the Browns. Maybe you can put the Jaguars in there. People make jokes about those teams. And right now, the Bills are 4-0, and you can say they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. You can say that. That's what Josh Allen has done. And I think there was a stat they were lead, um They had it on the, the telecast for the game as the Bills played the Raiders. And like the last time the Bills were 4-0, this was years ago. It's the story. That's why right now Josh Allen's MVP. Now, really quickly where I want to go to next, I want to go to the Dallas Cowboys. And it, it is funny too, as I was just talking about, when everything comes into place. Sometimes when things don't come into place for a long period of time. It's very easy to uh, deduce why. Uh, The Cowboys. How long has Jerry Jones been the owner? Maybe like 40 years, something like that. He's been the owner for a long time. They've gone through coaches. Jimmy Johnson. Uh, They've had Bill Parcells. They've had Jason Garrett. They now have Mike McCarthy. They had Bobby Switzer. Multiple players. Romo. Aikman, Emmett Smith, they had all these different great offensive lines, T.O., all these people interchanging through Dallas. And ever since the flashpoint moment of when Jerry kicked Jimmy Johnson the curve because he had ego issues and he let Jimmy Johnson go, and then after that, what has Dallas done? They've done nothing. As Stephen A. Smith always says on TV when he makes fun of them, they're the accident waiting to happen. People blame Jason Garrett last year for the Dallas Cowboys being 8-8 eight and eight out of the playoffs as the Eagles went to the playoffs, right? Jason Garrett can't do it. Jason Garrett's a puppet coach. It's Jason Garrett's fault. It's Jason Garrett's fault. Well, we're four games through the year, and just like four games, it's the quarter, we can give a sample size, just like how Josh Allen, he's a star, Josh Allen is the MVP. We can see what's the issue with Dallas. They're poorly run, and maybe it's not Mike McCarthy, but you want to know what? It's a managerial issue. It's an organizational issue. It's a culture issue. The Dallas Cowboys gave up 307 yards on the ground to the Cleveland Browns. Now, I know the Cleveland Browns, they have a good offensive line, they have good running backs, but they're not that damn good. In the NFL, and a passing league, you should not give up over 300 rushing yards. I played football for Amherst High School. We were a bad football team. That is stuff we used to do. That is JV stuff. That is JV high school football stuff. You should not do that. You cannot give up 300 yards on the ground. I can live with 300 yards in the passing game. I can live with that. I can accept that. I can sleep at night knowing that knowing that that happened. You cannot do that. You cannot sleep at night knowing that you gave it up on the ground. That speaks to your front 7. We know the Dallas Cowboys secondary is suspect. 300 yards. Dudes from the Browns that we haven't even heard of. When Nick Chubb got hurt, I hope Nick Chubb's okay. People from the Browns, we haven't even—they were getting chunks of yards, running backs for the Browns. They were running like Kareem up. They were running up down the field, 11 yards, not getting touched. The reverse to Odell Beckham. After Alden Smith missed it because he couldn't catch, Odell Beckham runs it in for a 50-yard touchdown. Bad effort, bad angles, bad pursuit, bad defensive coaching. And then Dallas just wants to throw. They just want to throw. They just want to throw, even though they pay Ezekiel Elliott like a top running back. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. They're the same Cowboys when Jason Garrett was there and then when Mike McCarthy was there. There is no difference. There is no difference. It's Jerry Jones. It's poor culture, poor management. They draft CeeDee Lamb with their first round pick. They don't need CeeDee Lamb. They have Michael Gallup and they have Amari Cooper. The Dallas Cowboys have offensive weapons. You know what they should do instead of drafting CeeDee Lamb? Get an offensive lineman in there. Get back to being a special offensive line. Because the Cowboys didn't always have a great defense. They haven't in the Dak Prescott era. It's been ball control, run the football, keep it away. Do that. Right? You have Ezekiel Elliott, you're paying him all this money. How about you pay him to get some offensive lineman in front of him so he can run? Get some corners. Get a linebacker. You don't need CeeDee Lamb. And I joked about this when this happened during the draft. I said, CeeDee Lamb, right, from Oklahoma, it's a typical Jerry move. A star wide receiver from Oklahoma, super close. Jerry's probably gone to like five or six of his games. Hears all about him. Like, oh, CeeDee Lamb this, CeeDee Lamb that. Typical Jerry move. It's the splash. It's not the meat. It's not the girth. It's not what's going to win you games. And they don't need CeeDee Lamb. He's a luxury. The Dallas Cowboys are not a good enough team to need a luxury player like that. It's nice to have C.D. Lamb. When he can be your second or third receiver. But you don't need that. Particularly when we see that you have needs all over your football team. You can improve your offensive line. You can improve every aspect of your defense. You don't need to get a right receiver. You don't. And this is a Jerry Jones. Sex sells. Entertainment sells. Let's put up a bunch of points. It makes no sense. And that's why the Cowboys haven't been good. That's why they haven't. That's why they haven't been to an NFC Championship game since I believe since Jimmy Johnson was there. That's the last time they were in a Super Bowl. When Jimmy Johnson was there. And when they had somebody that ran things, Jerry didn't like it. And Jerry fired that guy. He fired that man. And I'm telling you, the Cowboys will never get to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl until Jerry Jones is gone. Because he's too old now. He's like 80-something years old. You can't tell people, it's like my grandma. You can't tell people that old what to do. They won't listen. They won't. Jerry Jones, he has F you money and he's an older guy. Nobody is telling him what to do. So, you're going to have to wait till he gives up complete power of the Cowboys. Other than that, the Cowboys aren't going to win. Now, cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have scouting expert for 247 Sports, Kenny Sim on the show. Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for 247 Sports. And as we will be doing throughout the NFL season, uh, we will be recapping every weekend of games uh, throughout the year. And we're going to uh, recap week four. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. This is the quarter mark. So now I think we finally know what these teams are to a certain extent. I, I want to first ask you about Sunday night. Uh, really interesting in a couple of aspects, right? We have the Eagles, who are now winning the NFC Least. That's a god-awful division, but we will get to that. You have the 49ers, who are they are an injured fighter, trying to just make it through the rounds, right? An injured boxer, just trying to get make it through and not die, right? They're, they're without their starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. What were your takeaways from that game?
0: Yeah, a couple of takeaways I had. The first one was how how they do need to get Jimmy Garoppolo back. Um, take a look at the game. It was really, really controlled by the 49ers in terms of yards. I mean, they outgained them by 150 yards, ran 70 plays. Um, running attack was as advertised. Um, but but it was three tur- turnovers that really did the 49ers in. Um, they they had the Nick Mullins interception return for a touchdown right after the Eagles scored, to kind of make it a, a ten point game in the waning moments in in the waning moments of the game um, to kind of put it away. So that so that was the first one, and then the second one was uh, yes the the Eagles won and they're in first place, but they still have their, their fair share of issues right now to work through. Um and it kind of starts off with one just getting healthy. I mean Carson Wentz needed name tags to recognize some of these receivers he's throwing to. Um that's the way it was Eagles, at the end of last
1: definitely.
0: year. Yeah, 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 exactly. So so they have Greg Ward, um, and then other than that, they're kind of working in A day three pick, John Hightower. Uh, They got a tight end, Ertz, but Dallas Goddard is out for some time now. So they get Richard Rodgers. So so it's kind of a makeshift, really a makeshift offense that Carson Wentz has to work with. And he still has um, consistency issues and ball placement issues that that he has to work on. But also it's further exacerbated with – really a depleted team you don't want to really make excuses for for quarterbacks but they are depleted right now um so they get a much needed win but um this is still a team that you know you're kind of looking at seven eight wins i think for the eagles
1: yeah the eagles aren't a very good football team i came away from this game being more impressed with the 49ers the fact that they were in position to win this game you can make an argument if if jimmy Garoppolo's in this game they win it I, I mean, uh, I, I thought Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's proving, you know, why he's one of the best coaches, one of the best offensive minds, just the scheming they do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not his fault that uh, Nick Mullins throws two picks, right? <laughs> There's only so much you can do with that. Uh, but just how impressed are you with Shanahan? Like, dude, is it crazy for me to say, like, he's a top five coach in the NFL? Because that's where I'm at with him.
0: Yeah, I mean he's definitely up there. I mean, in, ter- in terms of a play caller, I mean he's he's, he's right up there with them. Um, McVay. Five though.
1: I mean, there's I'm,
0: I mean Reed. there's a lot of good. I mean there's there's, there's a lot of really good coaches though. You take a look at Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll and Sean Payton, Harbaugh, Tomlin, Andy Reid, right right there. That's five or six. But uh, I think he's in he's in that next tier. He's kind of closing into that top five though with him and Sean Sean McVay because he's so talented as a play caller. He's got that system. Uh, he really teaches that outside zone blocking well and really makes reads easy for the quarterback. Even taking a look what we talked about a few weeks ago with Nick Mullins is take a look at a good backup quarterback. it's just trying to stay 500 in your game until the starter can come back. So Nick Mullins, well, I think he's I think he's 1-1 one one right now as a starter. Um, came in at that end of the Week 2 game during... Uh, the game, so I guess you could say two and one as a starter, so uh QB and Coach doing a good job on that part, but Shanahan I think he's I I, I I think he's a really important key to keeping them in the division and in the playoff hunt until Jimmy Garoppolo could get back.
1: Well where would you put Shanahan in terms of offensive minds? Uh so so like if we're talking uh, if we're talking about offensive minds, yeah. the names that come up when i first think of this are shanahan you have mcveigh you have andy reed you have sean payton uh josh mcdaniels he's not a head coach but he's an oc and we know what he does in new england uh i'd say maybe that's anybody's top of i don't know if there's anybody i'm maybe missing but where would you just put him in terms of those guys
0: yeah i think that's the list right there of like the top of of the upper echelon play callers um you know i think shanahan he's done it as a coordinator he's done it as a coach he, he's he's Wherever he's been, he's elevated quarterback play around him, and, and quarterbacks have had their best years with them, with Brian Hoyer in Cleveland, Matt Schwab, Matt Ryan as the MVP, and Jimmy Garoppolo last year. So in terms of that and really helping out with the quarterback being the brain of the team and, and, and really, you know, functioning and going as far as your Q B will take you. He's 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 up there with Andy Reid and uh McVeigh and whatnot. Those those three like you alluded to. Um but you know, you go back to that Monday night game real real quick. I know that we're on week four, but week three is just just the clinic that Wink uh uh that Andy Reid put on Wink Martindale and the Ravens defense in that Monday night game and Throwing shovel passes to fullbacks and whatnot. Um, but but Kyle Shanahan, you know, one of the best. He, he, he's, he's up there top three, top four in terms of play calling. I put him up there in that elite tier.
1: And I've also been thinking about this with the 49ers. And I think I've touched on this a little bit with you in terms of, you know, does Nick Mullen, what percentage of is he of Jimmy Garoppolo? I think we kind of saw it tonight. He's not Jimmy Garoppolo, right? But the best part of... Uh, Ability is availability, right? Like it doesn't matter how good you are if you can't play, you're just, you know, kind of useless at that point. So we've seen Jimmy and his time with and even his time with the Patriots, he got hurt when he was with the Patriots. People forget. He got hurt and Joe Jacoby Percent actually had to relieve him. Uh he's really never been healthy except for one full year. Do you think at some point maybe the 49ers have to look at this and be kind of like, we saw the Eagles do this with Wentz. Uh They get a Jalen Hurts in the draft, right? They had a Nick Foles behind him. Do you think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and the 49ers brass kind of has to be like, maybe we need to start looking about having a guy that's a little bit more than serviceable, maybe a guy that can make Jimmy uncomfortable because we just can't be in this position during an NFL season, particularly when we play in the toughest division in the NFL. Right, I still like
0: Nick Mullins as a backup. I mean, you know, he played well in 2018, um, and then, he kind of, I mean, I mean, he, he beat the New York team, but, I mean, he's still serviceable as a backup, but uh, you take a look at the team, though, and, you know, that might be something the 49ers want to exercise because they're so deep, um, and, and they just drafted Javon Kinlaw in the first round, so they have a nice pull. A nice pipeline of defensive linemen, which 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 they like to have, is that solid defensive line. Right now, it's up, but you have that. Um, you could kind of see them possibly going that route, um, and and upgrading that QB two position to a solid backup over Nick Mullins, if not, kind of putting some pressure on Garoppolo because you know with this outside zone blocking is they could find. Day two, day three, lineman. Uh, they they like not having, you know, that solid number one receiver. They they like going by committee. You got to be able to block on the per on on the perimeter, so you don't need a first round pick on a receiver. Um, so you kind of take a look at the solid roster around, so you can see them, you know, possibly going that route a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I think that's interesting. Now, I also want to go to this right. So the Eagles, they're one, two, and one. They're in an awful division, and I think I was joking with you. Get you know, I? I think I might have been the one to say this to you that you know maybe six and ten wins this division. Uh, is is that possible? Six and ten wins the NFC East?
0: I mean, the way it's going right now, <laughs> you could say that. I mean, what I I think. I mean, it's something I. I mean, I I don't have the I don't have the figure at the top of my head, but I think. The Eagles' win today was the first win by an NFC East team outside of their own division by beating the, the NFC West 49ers. I think it's something like maybe like 1-10 now.
1: No, so, the, the, the Cowboys had a win. The Cowboys beat the Falcons.
0: Okay, so probably like 2-10 two, yeah. two now. But uh, you take a look at the Eagles' schedule. They're, they're in first place, and they got to play they got to play the Steelers and Ravens next two games as well. So they could be staring at 1-4-1. and one. Um, Washington might be making a, a change at the QB position. They're kind of up in the air. New York Giants are a mess right now. And the Dallas Cowboys on defense are a mess too. So, I mean, you know, you take a look at the Eagles roster preseason, had one of the better rosters with Dallas, but that's ravaged now. So that's out the book. Dallas's defense is such a stab, so, I mean, I think enough, I, 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 I think these teams, and I'm still going back to Dallas, I, I, I look at these teams like Dallas, is if they could get at least average play out of their defense, um, and even Philadelphia, too, is, you know, you could win four games against Washington and New York right there, so, um, I, I I do think this year could be a year where maybe maybe the division champ doesn't have six wins, but I think there's a chance it could have seven though. <laughs> and uh, it's just unfortunate that someone in this division, Daryl, is going to be hosting a wild. <laughs> I know game. it's a
1: travesty. It, it's a shame. It, it's shameful. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Uh, completely embarrassing. Now I want to go to. The Browns-Cowboys game. I know a game that you were watching very closely. And I'm just going to start this off with this. Uh, 307 rushing yards. Kenny, I played football in high school. That's something that happens in high school. That is something that should never happen in the NFL. Kenny, I can live if you give up 307 passing yards. Kenny, I can live if you give up 407, 407 passing yards. I can live with that. And be like, you know what? Okay, bad day. I cannot live. In today's NFL, with a team giving up 307 rushing yards, I, I like I just can't live with that. I, I think that speaks to how awful their front seven is, and I don't know why it's that awful when they got guys like Jalen Smith and Alden Smith on there. It speaks to a lack of bad coaching, a, a, a lack of toughness, and I know the Browns. They have good running backs. They have a very good run-blocking offensive line. But my God, this isn't like the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s with Emmitt Smith and all those Hall of Fame offensive linemen. This isn't that. Like, this should not be happening. Kareem Hunt should not be going 12, 15 yards down the field with nobody touching him. What what Odell Odell Beckham did with the reverse, that should not happen. Like, when he just outruns, like, there should be somebody there to stop that. So where I'm at with the Cowboys is they need to fix their defense. They need to retool it. And at this point, I wouldn't even be opposed if they try to make a trade or to get somebody in there because they need something.
0: Right, so coming into the game, I mean, take a look. Starting off, I mean, I thought the Cleveland Browns, and they did have success throwing the ball, but you take a look at some of their guys on defense as Darian Thompson giving up 120 QB rating. Trayvon Diggs, 70% completions. The other guy, uh, Jordan Lewis, 155 quarterback rating against them. So I thought the Browns are uh, originally going going to start off by air with how ravaged that secondary was. Um, and then they really got after it running the ball. But like you said, there really should not be a single team in the NFL that gives up 300 yards on the ground against anyone. It's JV football um, stuff,
1: Kenny. It's JV football stuff. <laughs>
0: exactly. I mean, that was a healthy 7.7 yards to carry the Browns' average. But defensive tackle is a problem for for the Cowboys. Now, I mean, you could have running the football, running it to Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence is not, is, not, is not passing, but but running the ball at them, too. And um and and, and, and Jalen Smith giving up some completions. He had a poor Q, uh, he had a poor Q, QB rating against him as the nearest defender as well. Uh, but they're throwing Joe Thomas opposite him at the linebacker room too. Um, so right now that entire front seven is ravaged. Um, so now they have a problem throwing the ball which Matt Ryan and, and Russell Wilson have done against them the past few weeks. Now the book is out on them, especially against teams that run some of this outside zone blocking, and maybe even part of the part of their run scheme is zone blocking, is you're going to see that more and more, because what happens in the NFL, especially now with four games, um, most teams do a four-game split when, when they scout out an opponent, so now with a four-game sample um, on the Cowboys defense is you're going to keep seeing those same plays over and over until they could prove that they could stop it. So and, I would expect a healthy healthy dose of run game now against the Cowboys' defense. And that and, and that's a good way for a football team to win a game against the Cowboys is to keep the Cowboys' offense on the bench.
1: And, and, and too, the thing, too, about this, Kenny, is, right, the, all, all the talk, and you know this, right, all the talk in Cleveland was, what's the chemistry like with Odell and Baker? Odell and Baker looked fine last night. The bad thing for a defense is when you're everybody's get off game. When <laughs> like when suddenly Baker and Odell, they do they have no chemistry. It's not working, and then they suddenly have chemistry against you. That's not a good thing. When you're everybody's get-off game, when everybody just seems to have their best game against you and everything's fine when they play you, that's not a place to be in sports at all. And the Cowboys? I mentioned this earlier in the show, I went on a huge rant, Kenny, and, I, and I've told you this before, the C.D. Lamb trade, uh, the C.D. Lamb uh, draft pick, it makes no sense, it's a luxury for a team that doesn't need that luxury, it's like you buy uh, new wheels on a car and you don't have a roof, right, you don't have a hood and you leave in Cleveland, it's like, okay, it, your, your wheels look cool, but, uh, you know, uh, what are you going to do in the winter, it makes no sense, <laughs> it's idiotic, like, wh- they could have used a corner, they could have used the defensive lineman. And I'm almost at the point, point. I'll ask you this, would you be opposed if they traded Ezekiel Elliott? Because to me, if they're going to just pass the ball and play like this, what is the point of paying Ezekiel
0: Elliott? Right. So that was what I was going to um, follow up on, is not necessarily trading him, but I, I, I do think that the Cowboys need to get back to running the football o- only, um, Well, I think twelve carries for Zeke Elliott today. Yeah, yeah. Twelve carries for him. Um, hasn't been really featured on this offense throughout the first quarter of a year with throwing the ball. Um, and and that's something as a play caller that Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy are gonna have to work out too is getting Zeke Elliott the ball and winning some of that time of possession because they gotta protect their defense. Um but throughout the first four games Right now, there's there's no need to have Zeke Elliott on the team if he's getting the ball 12 times a game and he's getting paid $20 million for a running back with all their defensive issues as well. So of kind of goes back to Jerry Jones and how you want to build this team is if you're going to pay a running back that amount of money, then he needs to be featured and featured often, and he's capable of doing that, but right now, they're, they're getting extremely pass-happy, and it's making Zeke Elliott kind of a waste with his $20 million contract at running back for not getting the ball enough, too, and it, it, it's kind of making this, uh, you know, how, how the Cowboys want to play offense if they're throwing the ball 50 times a game it's making running back expendable, but yet... They paid a lot at running back. They be they'd be better
1: off. They'd be better off doing a three-man running back by committee. My God, like they, you don't need to yeah. pay Ezekiel Elliott to do this. Like, like it, it makes no sense. And it gets the whole Jerry Jones thing. Listen, the Cowboys—they haven't been truly the Cowboys since uh, Jerry Jones kicked uh, Jimmy Johnson to the curb, and, and that was like what 25, 30 years ago. Like we've seen this, right? Bill Parcells, like, like Jason Garrett, like we have seen this. Mike McCarthy—it's the same thing and eventually somebody has to look at Jerry, but the problem is he's old and he's rich. You can't really tell people that are old and rich what to do, especially when they're your boss.
0: <laughs> yeah, real quick note, too, on this game, on the other side of the ball, is this was one of the games is, especially against a, a team like coming in, the Browns were a four-and-a-half-point underdog, is teams were looking at the Cleveland Browns and saying, okay, you beat Cincinnati and Washington, um, but but going into dallas and putting up 49 points and really controlling that game they had 34 unanswered and they're up 41 14 and then the cowboys kind of did their you know for lack of a better term kind of kind of uh, you know the passing of almost 500 yards a little bit of just empty calories just just against a prevent defense they got a couple of two-point conversions um Browns are trying to run out of the clock a little bit. Game got a little close late until Odell ripped ripped that off. But really nice job by Kevin Stefanski rallying the team after losing to Baltimore and ripping off three wins in a row. I think you see on the other side of the ball, the Cleveland Browns are a team that definitely knows what they are right now with an identity. The Dallas Cowboys do not. One team is three and one, the other team's one and three.
1: So kidding. The Browns are 3-1. You know this because you're a football nut. The last time the Browns were 3-1 was 2001. So I'm going to take you back, Kenny. What were you doing in 2001? And let's just say right now, October of 2001. Do you give us all a picture of what you were doing? Well, I
0: was watching the Cleveland Browns at that time. <laughs> okay. But I was 10 years old. <laughs> but, 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 was... <laughs> but I was only 10 years old at the time. I was not even privy to how... Uh, Butch Davis had this team in year one at three and one, but yeah, I mean I was ten years old at the time. I mean we're closing on two decades yeah, that uh, they've they've done this. It's been decades since they've had a start like this, and you know that kind of builds up momentum. But you want to be playing from ahead in the NFL. You just take a look at percentages of making the playoffs when you're two and zero versus one and one. When you're one and zero versus zero and one, three and one versus two and two, even so, you, I mean you keep building that up a little bit and kind of playing to five hundred, not to get too far ahead with the Cleveland Browns, but they're three and one. They could just now stay close to five hundred. They have the back-to-back games against the New York teams in December, um, so they enter a difficult stretch right now in the second quarter of the year. But it's, it's, it's just really positive for the Browns that they know what they are right now. They're going to be an outside zone team. They're going to run the running back. D- D- Ernest Johnson came in today, and he was the leading rusher with Chubb going down. Um, and then this is a team on defense. Yeah, they're going to give up yards. They have their own issues, but they lead the league in takeaways. And they had three takeaways today. And that's really where the game got out of hand for the Cowboys today is when the Cowboys went back-to-back turnovers. They had a turnover, Browns scored a touchdown, next play, Zeke Elliott fumbled, Browns capitalized on that with a turnover. All of a sudden, it's 28-14. So Cleveland Browns defense, really opportunistic early on in the season. They lead the NFL in takeaways.
1: Yeah, and Kenny, in 2001, I wasn't even uh, in elementary school yet. I don't even know if I was in preschool. I was like three years old. My God, 2001. I don't have any concept of what was going on in 2001. I don't have any vivid memory. So that that was definitely a long time ago. Uh, in terms of the reverse, because uh, there's a lot to talk about with this game, right? So the Odell Beckham reverse. Was it more good Browns, good coaching, good play calling by Kevin Stefanski, or bad Cowboys? Yeah, I'm going to say that's
0: good coaching on the Cleveland Browns part because they were kind of in a stretch where they knew a few things is one is they wanted to keep the clock running because they were trying to squeeze possessions. They knew the Cowboys with about like 12 minutes left. The Cowboys weren't going to have three possessions and they were down by three possessions unless the Browns really messed up. So they were trying to kind of really play conservative, um, But it got to the point they were just going run run pass or run 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 um so coming out of the gate and running a reverse when they've been running just they've just been running hunt and johnson and hilliard all game that was a really timely play and and i think it was really blocked well i mean alden smith he actually wasn't as close to odell as you thought um he uh, kind of looking at the replay, he, he, he never had a chance at defensive end to tackle him. It looked like it in real time, but he was kind of out of position a little bit. The Browns schemed it up perfect, but locked on the other side, and they created a convoy for Odell Beckham. Um, after that, though, that was bad cow Cowboys, because I think there was four defenders on the sideline. Even having the sideline as a defender, and they still couldn't knock him out, um, And then once he got past the 30, it was all systems go. So on that one, though, I definitely think it was good Browns, especially with Kevin Stefanski's thing. He wanted to get Odell Beckham involved in the game early on, not just throwing the ball, but also kind of getting the ball off reverses. And early in the game, he he had a reverse as well. Uh, The Browns went back to the well on that. And I think he actually had 70 yards rushing in that game. So, of the Cowboys.
1: so next, yeah. I, I want to go to uh, the other 1 o'clock game that people were watching, probably. Uh, so you have Tampa Tom. They're 3-1, and one and they played the Chargers. Uh, they start out slow, and I mean, just, excuse me, they start out fast, uh, opening drive, scripted drive, as they've been doing all year. They're scoring on their first drives, they're looking good early on, then go through a lull. And I kind of want to know why you think that happens.
0: Right, so I think, I mean, one, one, one of the things with Tom Brady is, so he had the bad interception, that got returned for a touchdown. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he went like 14 of 15 and had a four-touchdown stretch, but he, he he doesn't have that arm like he used to. So, you can't get two out of, out of your plan and structure and start throwing it all over the yard like the Dallas Cowboys do. Um, so, that was one just, just, just a bad throw that got intercepted by Michael Davis for a touchdown. Um, and then I still think that they're 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 trying to figure out their backfield a little bit. Now with Fournette out for a few games is I think that kinda of puts them in flux a little bit by not knowing, you know, who to roll at running back. Um, so with that you know, every few plays you might have just, 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 you know, a negative play and then it sets up third and long and stuff like that. Also, they're still rotating in bodies. So I don't know if Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have played together yet when both are happy or, or, when, 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 when both are healthy. Um, So Godwin was out today too. So it's a combination of that and trying to kind of figure out their tight end rotation. O.J. Howard now, I think he's got an Achilles. He, he's going to be out for the year. So, we're trying to figure out that and I think how they want to distribute their targets as well. That's something that I think they're, they're they're just trying to figure out. So, you know, ideally, how many we want to get to Mike Evans, how many we want to get to our tight ends, which should be easy completion, stuff like that. I still think it's a work in progress and uh kind of how they want to deploy that running back situation.
1: Yeah, now, in, in terms of how I thought Brady looked, Brady looked really good, I, I think, especially as the game went on. And something else I think is interesting, uh, people don't talk about, Brady still has an arm on him. Like, he can still throw it down the field. He can still stand up in the pocket. It's not all these, like, short little passes, all these screens. Like, he can still throw it down the field, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I think physically... I Brady's deterioration, I think, is a little bit overstated. Like how people talk about Breeze, I think you can clearly see that Breeze's arm is not the same. I, I think Brady's arm is relatively fine. So I do ask you this: right now, I would say Drew Breeze is not a top ten quarterback, in my opinion. I think uh, Brady is for sure a top ten quarterback. Where do you stand on that? So I think I mean, you know,
0: with Brady, you still see like the. Like the higher end ceiling of, like like today, for instance, almost four hundred yards throwing the ball forty six times, five touchdowns. Um,
1: Breeze can't do that at
0: this point. The team could win a game throwing the ball forty six times. I don't think the Saints would be in best position having Drew Breeze throw forty six times. It's starting to look more and more like. Um, the Saints want to go to more of a a running based attack, and their guy on offense is Kamara, and giving it to him and throwing easy completions to him, and having um, still still having Breeze throw, but Breeze isn't the centerpiece of the of of the offense. They could go to Kamara in the runner pass game. They can mix him in with Latavius Murray. Whereas with the Bucks is if they really have to. They could have Brady, you know, spread him out, or whatever the case might be, and they could still have Brady throw over 40 times a game, and he could still throw it at a highly efficient number, and he could still move the team up and down the field doing that. Where I think with Breeze is that would be a little bit of a risk and probably not advisable.
1: Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, too, with Brady being in Tampa, I feel like it gives them a confidence like they were down it was uh 24 to 7 uh they get the fumble then it's 24 to 14 like I I just feel like Brady Brady gives Tampa a compass that necessarily Jameis Jameis did not give them like if Jameis is in that game they lose I I think there's an aura and there's a confidence around the team it's like we have Tom Brady with us he's the greatest quarterback of all time like we know he's gonna put us all in the right positions even if he's not playing well he's gonna get it together do you kind of sense that too
0: no, absolutely I think that's definitely an astute point on your part I think that's definitely true is um, you know maybe not every game but you still see those flashes of brilliance like today where he could go you know he could go on a run of going 14 to 15 and 4 touchdowns on 15 throws only and doing that or what was it? it was coming out hot against Carolina a few weeks back where I think he had 200 yards at halftime, got out to a 21 nothing lead. And that just builds more and more confidence, especially when it gives confidence to to a younger player. And definitely a younger player here, Daryl is to look at is Scotty Miller. And Scotty Miller, um, definitely just, just a young, unheralded guy, really coming into the zone this year at Tom Brady. And he's had several good games. Today he went 5 for 83 in a score. Uh, he filled in for Chris Godwin, and, and Scotty Miller's been doing that all year for them. Uh, really gives them a nice threat. Probably can take a little bit more targets now with O.J. Howard being out for the year and Gronk not getting you know as many targets as he probably should. Um, Scotty Miller's definitely an example of that case, of, of someone that is really earning, earning the trust of Brady and it gives him a lot of confidence when the GOAT gives you that type of trust.
1: Now, really quickly, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to delve into some more NFL kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Sports talk, and we still have Kenny Sim, with us, scouting expert for 247 Sports. Got into some Eagles, Niners, Sunday Night Football action. Tom Brady, the Browns. Now, here's where I want to go. So, we've had two very good rookie quarterbacks: Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Uh, Burrow today uh, against the Jaguars, 300 yards passing, one touchdown. He had one pick. Herbert against the buccaneers 290 yards passing he had three touchdowns one interception i also believe uh, joe burrow broke a record for the most uh, for for a rookie three consecutive 300 plus yard games both these quarterbacks have looked good i think joe burrow has calmness poise toughness uh justin herbert is a freak of nature i don't want to compare it to josh allen but he has those physical traits where you see him run and it's just like he moves different his arm you see the zip on the ball I, I just want to know what you think of these two rookie quarterbacks and who have you liked uh, better so far
0: yeah so better so far I mean so so both have um the first with Burrow is he's been decent so far I haven't I I, I haven't been as impressed with him as others however he. He's held his own, um, especially considering um, eight sacks last week. He took really bad offensive line. He's playing behind, so I like his attitude, um, and he's getting rid of the ball quick. A little bit inefficient the first few weeks. Today he was nice. He was at eight point three yards per attempt, and he's he's getting a better sense of. Uh, playing the quarterback position got his first win today so I think you know as the year goes on I think the Bengals will like what what they have um, from that regard so I would give him for a grade I'd give him a B right now for Justin Herbert um, what I like what, what, what he's doing is he's making plays both running the ball and throwing the ball so you're getting big plays in the passing game from him. Um, when he's getting out on the run on bootlegs and off play action, really a efficient passer. He's another guy, 11.6 yards per attempt. Um, and I just go back to that game against Kansas City and how ready he was coming off about 20 minutes he got the call that he was called to start and how well he played in that game, almost getting his team to a win. So, think he had a bad pick today but that's gonna happen with a rookie so I think both both these franchises should be saying okay we have the right guy at quarterback right now um you know I I tend to take kind of of a longer view where I kind of want to see these guys for about I think about 40 starts if you have a guy for about two and a half years you start to get a decent sense of what he's at so we're really early in both of them um but I would have to say I've been a little bit more impressed with Ferber just because I, I didn't expect him, one, um, to play this early, and two, is how well he's played this early. I mean, with a, He has the physical traits. quarterback rating and just, yeah, I mean, running the ball and throwing the ball out play action. He's been really good off that. Is you could kind of see how the Chargers could build an offense around him, which is how athletic he is at 6'6". Six, six kind of building more of a power run game and having him play off play action and having a slew of receivers and tight ends.
1: Yeah, he reminds me of Josh Allen, physically, a, a little bit. Would you agree with that? Like, like, he has a little bit of Josh Allen in him. When I, when I look at him, like, he moves different, he's big, he's strong, he has an arm.
0: Yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, I would say the only thing, um, that's a good comp to him. The only thing I would say on the pushback would that be is, If the the Bills need something in short yardage, they could always go to Josh Allen on a designed run. Not just a QB zone read, but they could go with a QB power and have him kind of run the ball um, up the middle and take those hits. Um, Herbert is, you know, like 6'6", 240, but um, I think Allen's a little bit more thicker to take on those hits. So that's the only only difference in their game a little bit is you probably don't want to have Herbert being exposed to all of those hits running the ball like you could do with Josh Allen um, but other than that they both got big arms are both big in the pocket could make plays inside and outside the structure um, so with all of that it's a pretty good comp.
1: So let's go here speaking of Josh Allen my god Josh Allen over the quarter of the first quarter of the NFL season, Kenny, he's MVP of the league. I I don't know if you, you think I'm being crazy. I don't know if people think I'm being a homer. He's MVP of the league, and I have not always been the biggest Josh Allen fan. I've been probably much more of a critic. He's been MVP of the league. Uh, I would say base. I'd say he played better than Russell Wilson today. I'd have him over. I'd have him one. I'd have Russell Wilson two. Uh, he makes throws and he just makes plays that you just can't teach. Like the physical abilities, off the charts, and it makes you look at it and it's like when Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and these guys look at him looked at him in Wyoming and they're like, This is the guy that we need in Buffalo and the frozen tundra, the guy to make all these plays. You see why they did that. And they've developed him. And the OC too, they they have they have developed him. And I think it's gotten to the point where I, I, I thought about this. It's like, you know, every guy wants to get to the point, right? You know, you have your wife, you have your kids, your parents are older, they're taking care of, you have the, the job you've always wanted. Everything seems to be falling into place. It's like everything in life is going great. I feel like that's where Josh Allen is. Like like it's like he's playing basketball and he's throwing in the ocean. Like there's nothing he can't do right now. Like he's been empowered and he's playing at a level that i've never thought that i never personally thought he could play on an nfl level and he's a bona fide top five quarterback and for me he's mvp of the league right now
0: right i mean so you know so josh allen coming into this year right now completing passes at over a 70 percent clip i think he leads the league in and completion percentage over twenty yards, so he really improved on that game where he needed to work on that the first few years. Ten to one touchdown the to interception rate ratio as well. But I really like what he's doing is is he's making the layups and the gimme throws that sometimes kinda of went awry with him last year under Brian Dable. And so now you have, you know, almost just 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 pitching cats with Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs getting ahead of the six. And then you have the deep game. I mean he could throw it up to Stephon Diggs as well. Uh, for for that, but he's he's really becoming a competent quarterback in the pocket. And I just go back to just on early downs and you know, throwing those shorter passes to Beasley and, and, and Diggs. I mean it's just it's almost like an automatic completion now. Where, where that wasn't the case um, through the first two years for him, and I think that's where he needed the most work, and he's putting together nice games. It's just not dink and dunk. He's putting together nice games for his QB rating, um, the deep passes, lead the league in deep pass completion percentage. It's a big part of his game, too, is getting those yards after 20 yards. He's doing that, too, and he's making better decisions in the pocket in terms of throw away versus take-sack.
1: Now, earlier today, uh, Ian Rappaport, a reporter for NFL Network, came out with a a story, and he said, the pressure on Washington QB Dwayne Haskins, who must play well today to avoid the possibility of being pulled, sources say, story, Washington can move on from Dwayne Haskins if he continues to struggle. Fast forward, he throws for over 300 yards, I believe, uh, no touchdowns, uh, no picks either, I, we've talked about this and you said yourself, Kenny, uh, Ron Rivera eventually has to look at the men in his locker room and he has to say, who gives my team the better chance to win? I think they're, they're just better with Alex Smith. Alex Smith's a better quarterback at this point in time. Uh, and I think eventually they're going to have to make the move. What do you think about that?
0: Right, I think it's starting to come. I mean, with every loss, the pressure kind of turns turns up on him more and more. I like to see Dwayne Haskins. I mean, you definitely want to know what you have in him at the end of the year without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but with with Dwayne Haskins is um, what 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 I see and kind of seeing the game and watching the game multiple times since they played the Browns last, last week and going back and taking a look at the tape is. Dwayne Haskins isn't trusting his eyes, and he's having processing issues. He's having a tough time processing information quickly, processing the defense post snap to what you see pre snap. And that's definitely not a recipe um, going against the Baltimore Ravens with their heavy pressure front. A lot of times, you know, they like to have, you know, six, seven guys at the line of scrimmage. You don't know where guys are coming from. It, 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 it's stuff like that. And, you know, Ron Rivera, offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, they had Kyle Allen at, at quarterback in Carolina with them, and he kind of held his own as a backup. He's the backup. I think he's going to get the first shot over Alex Smith. Um, but but point taken, though, is especially with the football team, you know, in, in first place or a half a game out, that's how NFL teams think. Contrary to fans, is we're in first place right now after the quarter point of the year, and we just have to focus on beating these three teams. If you start to see QB play um, not improve with Dwayne Haskins and being the reason why they're losing games, like his five, like like his four turnover performance last week against Cleveland, is that's where you can see the move being made. Uh, but. But with every loss, I just think the pressure kind of heats up more and more on him. And, you, you know, I could see a QB change to Kyle Allen within the next two weeks.
1: Now, another team I want to go to. I am going to go to the Bears. So, Nick Foles relieved Mitch Trubisky uh, against the Falcons last week. Right? Trubisky wasn't playing well. They decided to do it. They went 3 and out. Great. Great for the Bears. Yeah. Week 4... We go to the Colts. Nick Foles wasn't great. Nick Foles was pretty porous, and they just went with him. And this is the interesting thing. And I was kind of like, why not just go to Mitch Trubisky? And obviously you cannot do that now because that could, and I, I think you'd agree with me, that could create a very toxic situation that I don't think you want in your locker room for a team that at 3-1 and one has aspirations to make the playoffs. So I want to know what the Bears do now because now it's like you can't go back.
0: No, they got to stick with Nick Foles. Um, You know that's one of the. I was one of the concerns about going to Nick Foles so early in the season. You think Mitch? uh, I mean, you think they get at least like six or seven games um, with him? But they they made the determination that his play was, you know, holding the team back, especially when you're looking at three and zero, and now you got. I mean, even today they're three and one, but. You know they got that plus two over five hundred, um, looking good. Defense still playing well. Making that move now is is they're really. I mean I think they're going forward with Nick Foles until until he gets injured. So that's kind of where they're at now. And you take a look at the upcoming schedule. I mean it is a little bit difficult for them. So they got to play. They got to play the Bucs on Thursday night this week. Then they got a very a very fighty Panthers team. And then they got Rams, Saints, Titans. So this is tough territory. Um, I think regardless with them, I think both quarterbacks are kind of at a replacement level with with Bowles and Trubisky. So you know, ultimately, I think you're kind of looking around the eight and eight mark for the Bears. But I think they're full in on Bowles until he gets injured or he's just playing at such a poor level where everybody knows you got to make a move back.
1: Now, I also want to go to uh, the Cardinals, right? So the Cardinals are uh, my surprise pick to make the playoffs. They start out the year really good. They beat the 49ers, a team that was in the Super Bowl uh, last year. Uh, now they're 2-2. Two and two. They dropped a game to the Panthers that I was not expecting, and I think, you know, this is kind of how we tell the mark of a good team, a playoff team, is you got to win games like that. Uh, and Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, it was kind of a dud. Uh, I, I just want to know, do you think this kind of shows that maybe that the Arizona Cardinals, they're not ready for that next step? Because we know Jimmy is going to come back. The 49ers are going to be full steam ahead. We know what the Seattle Seahawks represent. They're undefeated. We uh, know what the Rams are. They're 3-1. and one. Do you think that maybe we're all too soon on the Cardinals? And it was like the shiny new toy, and it's like, maybe they need another year.
0: I wouldn't say so. I mean, so so Tyler Murray's just so dynamic as a playmaker. You know, up there with, you know, the likes of Josh Allen that we've talked about, Lamar and Jackson, Herbert, in terms of the young quarterbacks. Yeah, Lamar Jackson too. But I, 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 I think what you're seeing here in the first two games versus the second two games of their four game schedule is kind of the holes on the defensive side of the ball. Is they were playing at a high level the first two games, they're getting sacks and pressures on the quarterback. Um but the last two games their defense has fallen off and they gave up over you know, almost four hundred and fifty yards say and thirty one points to the Panthers. And I think that's kind of the norm for the for for the Cardinals defense. I thought it'd take about one more year to get the defense up to speed with Tyler Murray. Um so you know, I wouldn't say now that they you know, at 2-0, oh, they're not going to go 10-6 and six and run it off. But I still think the Cardinals, I mean, they got winnable games on their schedule. Um, they could still, you know, have those games on offense. Especially, you know, if they start playing some poor defenses, they could put up 30, 35 points. I think that might be enough to win some games. So it's a little bit of a blip right now. Um, so that's kind of where the Cardinals are at. Ultimately, whether they make the playoffs or not, it's going to come down to what their record is in the division. I think there's a lot of teams bottled up for the wild card with probably the Rams and the 49ers. So it's going to come down to those games with those teams.
1: Now let's go to the Lions, a team that actually beat the Cardinals last week. Mm-hmm. So the Lions were actually my pick uh, to upset the world. Uh, and we were all going to be like, what is going on with Drew Brees and Sean Payton? Uh, props to Brees and Payton. They did not let that happen. As a Brees said, we got back to Saints football. Uh, which I guess is dinking and dunking and running the ball now. I guess Alvin Kamara thinks football. <laughs> the reporter should have told that to Drew Brees. Let's see if that would have gone over. Uh, but the Lions, I, I want to get to them first. So they're 1-3, and, and at first I was not a fan of Patricia, but I was thinking about this. They have led at some point in every game they've been in. They're probably a little bit better than we think they are. Uh, and, and maybe this is more of a Matthew Stafford issue too. I know Matt Stafford played well at three touchdowns, uh, one interception. But do you think that we should give Matt Patricia maybe one more year to see what happens or or do you think no? Because obviously they're probably not going to make the playoffs, right? We see what the Bears have done. Uh, we know what the Packers are. That's not going to happen. Do you think maybe we should give Patricia another year cuz I don't think he's doing that bad of a job with this team.
0: Right, I don't think so. I mean, I, did, I mean, even if you give, you know, if you give Patricia a fourth year, you're just delaying the inevitable I just don't know kind of where you where you look at this team and you kind of see kind of where the ceiling is at with this program though with Matt Patricia they're they're behind the Packers um Vikings are a perennial playoff team they're going through a down year this year they're 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 young but I think that they'll be back um and then you got the Bears, always a steady team. So you're kind of looking at just, just, just where, where, where's the upside with what Matt Patricia is trying to do here? They don't play great defense. They don't create turnovers. Um, they're, they're, their 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 offense is heavily reliant on, on on Matt Stafford. You know, every other game. He'll get a nice game from Adrian Peterson because he's still he's still a good football player but he can't take on the 22 carry workload maybe every other week this, this this is one of his down weeks only had 11 carries after having I think 22 or 24 carries last week in the win against Arizona so you can you know you take a look at the team like that it's heavily reliant on Matt Stafford and throwing to the weapons around him um, so I, I, I just don't see kind of where the upside is with with Patricia, especially in an offensive league. You know, you really like to have kind of that offensive mind behind Matt Stafford a little bit, maybe going that route next year. Um, I don't think though going off back to back nine and seven seasons and Stafford playing his best ball, um, questioning why they fired Jim Caldwell, though. And, you know, here we are in year three and Matt Patricia with ten wins in, in two-plus years. And uh, Caldwell had that back-to-back years for the Lions.
1: Yeah, and I actually agree with you. They should have never fired Caldwell. I thought that was a huge mistake on their part. Now, here's where I want to go, Kenny. So, the Saints... Uh, they bounced back. It was a, it was Detroit, so pretty easy to bounce back. Though it was close, and there was a point in the game where when they were down, and what the Saints have deteriorated to, and this isn't a bad thing. It's the Alvin Kamara show. I, I want to know how effective you think they can be with this, because I think eventually Michael Thomas is probably going to be out for maybe three more weeks, maybe like like a little a little bit longer. Like, do you think they can kind of steady the ship? Because obviously Breeze is not the same. Like, this is not the Drew Brees we, we knew and loved. That Drew Brees is gone. Probably never to return. Uh, how, how do you think the Saints can kind of muddle through this period?
0: Yeah, so they can muddle through, through the period with, I mean, I, I, I really think playing through Kamara, both running and throwing the ball. So, uh, you take a look at this game script, and they had 30 points and nice output last week in a losing effort against the... Um, uh, against the Packers, but what, they've, they've had three out of four weeks over 30 points. That's still a really nice offensive output by by them. It's just they're doing it a different way, though, so um, you know, I really like this, what they did today with 25 passes and 42 runs, and you, know, you put together the script for Breeze, 19 of 25, that's almost 80% is if he could do that and, you know, target Kamara and those easy passes, um, that's kind of how they win. But it definitely starts playing through Kamara. So so taking out a big workload, running the ball, which which he he hasn't always done. So increasing his workload that way, along with still being heavily targeted in the passing game, I think Kamara is that good in that dynamic that you could experience play through him both running and throwing the ball, and that's a really tough matchup for, for defenses. I've yet to see somebody match up with him. Kind of hold the board down there, there until you get Michael Thomas back. And, and you still have, when you get Michael Thomas back, arguably now the best receiver in the game and the best running back in the game, and that's enough to get by. Defensively, though... They did force a turnover, but traditionally they've they've, they've been better at forcing turnovers than they are right now, getting that extra possession back for the offense. So I think that's one of their concerns, is dialing up pressure and forcing turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. But yes, I think Kamara is that good where you can play through him exclusively until Michael Thomas comes back and play through him exclusively throughout the remainder of the season.
1: So... I want to hit on this really quickly. So the Seahawks play the Dolphins. This was a sneaky close game, and I was like, are the Dolphins actually going to pull an upset here? Uh, They allowed Ryan Fitzpatrick to throw for over 300 yards. Uh, Again, the Seattle Seahawks' pass defense has been porous, uh, very porous. And they, they got two picks off of Fitzpatrick, so it kind of shows, right, they're opportunistic, and that's what we've seen, right? They have to stop against Cam Newton and the Patriots on Sunday night. Uh, on Fox for their prime time game. They have the interception on Dak Prescott. I, I want to know, how do you think this recipe can work, right? They're going to score a lot of points with Russell Wilson. They're going to open up the playbook. They're going to give up a lot of yards. And then they're going to just try to get a turnover at the end or get a stop. Like, uh, how consistent do you think this can be? It, it,
0: it's consistent in the fact that I think that, um, they just have a better pedigree than the Cowboys in close games. I mean, you're going to take Russell Wilson over Dak. You're going to take Pete Carroll in kind of that winning program where, where they expect to make plays. And I think they embrace being in close games late with a chance to compete and make a play. Um, Traditionally, that's not really what Dallas has done. So... I think this is a winning recipe right now for the Seahawks. Take a step back; they're four and zero. That quarterback-two receiver duo with Wilson, <laughs> DK Metcalf, and Lockett—I think it's the. I mean, I would go as far as saying that's the most dangerous quarterback-two receiver combo in the league. Uh, you could probably have Mahomes and Hill, and throw in maybe Kelsey up there with them. But right now, this year. That's as dangerous as a three-person combo as it gets, and they still got David Moore in the tight ends that they could feature. Defensively, though, it is a problem for for, for the Seahawks. Um, they got to be one of the worst passing defenses in the league. You know, giving up three twelve to Fitzpatrick, giving up four fifty to Dak Prescott, just on and on, on. But you know, as, as long as they're putting the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. I think they feel confident because they're going to make plays when they need to down the stretch and Russell Wilson just continues to play at such a high level, I think, most touchdowns to the first three games with 15. Um, but just take a look today, I mean, a healthy 10.6 yards per attempt by Wilson today. Um, did have 10 in completion, I know that's a lot from what he's been doing recently. But, but just, just just another outstanding game by him. But, but his, his ceiling right now, Daryl, is so high where, where you take a look at just what's a bad game for him. A bad game might be like an above-average game for a quarterback in a 100 rating around there with like uh, two touchdowns in the pick like, like, like he did today. That might be as bad as what Russell Wilson plays and you're still getting above-average QB play. That's enough to win a ton of games in this league. So I think they like where they're at right now um, because they know if it's close, they got the ball in Russell Wilson's hand.
1: So this is a point, and I, I agree with you, right? And I think part of what Seattle's doing is they know how they're going to play, right? Like, we are consistently, we are going to put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. He's going to make plays. We're going to score. In our defense, we are going to coach them up to be opportunistic and make plays to help our offense out. That's what we are, and that's how we're going to win. Uh, and that's admirable. Like, I, I respect that. It's better than what the Cowboys do. And you want to know what? It's a better plan than a lot of other NFL teams have, right? Like, know what you are and make the best of it. And I think that's also a sign of great coaching uh, by Pete Carroll. You have to realize what you have and, and make the most of it. Now,
0: I, I and, yeah, I mean, I think I think taking a look at the Seahawks, I think where they might lose a game and where they might go into trouble is if a team catches them early and they go up fourteen nothing. Then the Seahawks have to play from behind. But you spotted a team 14 points, and, you know, the fastest way to get down the field is throwing the ball. And a team with an elite quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, they keep the pedal on the metal, and they keep throwing at that pass D, and they just keep, you know, matching seven for seven like that and winning a high-scoring game. I, I, I think that's where maybe the Seahawks get caught up a little bit and they might lose a game. And that might be kind of the blueprint for – you know, why they don't make the Super Bowl. If they lose in the playoffs, it might be something like that.
1: So I want, I want to go to this, the Ravens. Lamar, and this is the quarter mark, so I want to get your opinion on this right. So the Ravens, they beat the, the Redskins, obviously. But Lamar Jackson's highest rushing game this year was against the Chiefs. That was their only loss. I want to know, Kenny, from that, what can you deduce a correlation between that? Why is their only loss on the year uh, a game where Lamar, we know what he does best, it's running and when he runs for the most yards, they lose.
0: Right, so going back from, from that Chiefs game, I mean, I think I, I, I think the big part here is how you know, you kind of uh, I mean, so I know the Chiefs have done it and there's very few teams that could do what the Chiefs do against the Ravens, but The Ravens are a little bit of a fraudulent team, I think, because if, if, and again, there's not a lot of teams that have that personnel that could do it, but if you could keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket and force him to throw and play from behind where, what, in all of his losses, they've been down at halftime. So I think that, 0-5, five, oh six, I think. Lamar
1: is very good if, when he plays at his own pace.
0: Right. So if you could get him to do that almost like what, what what the Chiefs doing, give him different look, um and and you know, as long as you're in position, yeah, you could have him run the ball twenty times and rack up, you know, ninety four yards or whatever the case is. You could do that, but you know, running that running that option offense is at some point you gotta be able to throw the ball in the NFL, especially against the good teams too. Not against, you know, the football team or not against the Browns defense. It's against those top teams. And it's just finding, you know, the right personnel that could do that. So that's why I'm really interested in seeing how he plays against the Steelers, because the Steelers have that defensive personnel, especially this year. And they don't have Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges in those games. They have Ben Roethlisberger now. So I think those are two games that I'm going to be very interested to see how Lamar Jackson bounces back because he's like 21-1 and one against everybody else except for, for the Chiefs. But there's just not a lot of elite teams with that personnel that like the Titans and the Chargers do in the playoffs and the Chiefs have done. But if you catch one of those teams and they get out ahead,
1: I mean, the Ravens are done. So, lastly, here's what I'm going to ask you, Kenny. Monday night, we're going to have the Falcons and the Packers. I was not super looking forward to that, given how solid the Packers have looked up to date and how atrocious the Falcons have been in terms of collapsing. But we're going to get a doozy, too. A double header. We're going to get Cam. Well, actually, excuse me. We are not going to get Cam. We're going to get Jared Stidham. We're going to get Jared Stidham. So this is going to be really fun and interesting versus Patrick Mahomes. So I just want to know what your takes are on both games. Obviously, there's the COVID aspect and angle of this uh, as well.
0: Right. I think actually Brian Hoyer is starting for the Patriots. Oh,
1: Brian um, Hoyer?
0: Maybe check that, but but I'm pretty sure oh, well. Hoyer is going to be starting. Um, but regardless of what happens, um this is going to be interesting to see um, if 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 a team plays complete ball control and you run the ball 35, 40 times, almost like the Colts did on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs last year, if you could somehow get close. And I'm looking for that, but I don't expect the Chiefs to lose. But what I am going to be looking at is seeing how Bill Belichick devises a plan and see what he does to attempt to stop Patrick Mahomes because after seeing what they did on Monday night to the Ravens last week I don't know man I think I have to kind of go back to the Denver Broncos with Peyton Manning in 2012 or the 2007 Patriots where I've seen an offense like the Chiefs that prolific so I want to see kind of if, if there's at least a blueprint that Bill Belichick could deploy to see how you go about defending Patrick Mahomes, uh because the Ravens definitely didn't do it. Well well Kenny I don't I don't and know the other game well I was yeah. gonna say
1: I don't know I don't know what the game plan is to stop a bunch of guys who run four <laughs> three.
0: Right. And then the second game is taking a look at this Packers offense and what I like about this Packers offense is they're running this they're running this outside zone Kyle Shanahan run based offense that the Browns and the Vikings and the Rams and the 49ers run. So they're naturally going to be able to run the ball really successfully. But really what you see the evolution is now going on a year is you still have, um, what I would say, Rodgers is the only one in that system that is an elite quarterback. So you're seeing Rodgers cut down on his attempts, but but he's still throwing for a lot of yards. On lower attempts, the same amount of output, less throws, you're running the football extremely effectively and you know, just 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 watching that and seeing how big of a threat the Packers are to the rest of the teams in the NFC because it's a great site and then if they get down um, I think everybody likes a good train wreck so you're watching to see if the Falcons can hold a lead um, and seeing If they could do that, I expect this game to be really high scoring as well. So you kind of see, almost you're seeing like what the Falcons are going to do late in games if it's close. But take a look at that Packers offense though, because it's really turning into a highly efficient operation.
1: Last question. What was your favorite moment of Sunday?
0: Favorite moment of Sunday. I would have to say looking through these games a little bit.
1: Oh, I was waiting for a plot twist and you said church. I'm just joking,
0: Kenny. <laughs> yeah, I mean looking at the games, I mean it was a pretty competitive slate overall, but I I, I, I think the one number, I mean, I'm gonna go back to the I mean I mean the one number that really sticks out by looking at these games is the forty nine spot put up by the Cleveland Browns. I mean just just the ease both running and throwing the ball, but definitely just um what? They were down fourteen to seven. It looked like the Cowboys were gonna run away and the Browns put up thirty four unanswered and that forty nine spot is taking a look at that, both good and bad. So so good for the Cleveland Browns and for a team that's talked about so much, the Dallas Cowboys, is how through the first quarter of the year, um, you can't make the playoffs in the first quarter of the year, but you could lose the playoffs and not make it. Is The Cowboys are really fortunate right now that they're not 0-4 and that they're within striking, striking distance in this division because this is a team that had Super Bowl aspirations, and they're getting it done... On offense, a little bit. I think they're throwing it a little bit too much. But this Cowboys defense is, I mean, could it prevent them from missing the playoffs in the worst division in football? It could. We're going to have to buy a ticket and see. But I think it was that 49 spot today, both good and bad in that game.
1: Mine was Josh Allen, personally. My God, I am happy. I'm very happy with Josh Allen. Now, Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. One quarter done, and we'll do a second quarter here next week, then.
1: And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim, scouting expert for 247 Sports, for coming on the pod. And once again, I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 206th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.